0: Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue in our time of worship through opening up the Word of God. And today's scripture reading is going to come from the book of Ephesians. Many of you know we've been studying the book of Ephesians together as a church, both on Tuesday night and on Sunday mornings. And the scripture will come from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, Verses 12 to 22. Las escrituras hoy vienen del libro de Efesios, capítulo 2, versículos 12 al 22. I'll read a portion of the scripture for us, first in Spanish and then in English. Let's hear now with open hearts and open minds from the word of God, from the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 12 to 22. First in, in Spanish and then in English. I'll go ahead and read, read the scripture for us this morning. Efesios capítulo 2, versículos 14 al 15. Porque Cristo es nuestra paz. De los dos pueblos ha hecho uno solo derribando mediante su sacrificio el muro de enemistad que nos separaba, pues anuló la ley con sus mandamientos y requisitos. Esto lo hizo para crear en sí mismo de los dos pueblos una nueva humanidad al hacer la paz. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 to 22. Let's hear from the Word of God, the book that we love, beginning at verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Amos Lord, we come before you this morning. We come before you just as we are bringing our true selves before a true God. Venimos ante ti, Dios Santo, tal como estamos. And Lord, we just pray, God, that today you would speak to us in a way that is clear, in a way that is direct, in a way that is fresh, God. We pray, Lord, that today you would meet us where we're at and you would take us where we need to be, Lord. We pray today, Lord, that you would be glorified in and through this entire worship service. Every single minute of it, Lord, would it be for your purposes? And God, would you use all of these different parts the praise, the preaching, the prayer to make us new, to make us new people that reflect your image, O oh God? We pray all this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen so grateful to uh be together this morning to open up god's word and to continue in this sermon series that we've been on in the book of ephesians So in case this is your first time here, or maybe you've just been here a couple of times, just a little bit about this church community, Imago Church. Imago means that we're created in the image of God. Imago significa que somos creados en el imagen de Dios. And the vision that God has formed this community to have is that together we would be a gospel-centered, multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships, relationships restored relationships with God and with each other. As a church community, we've been on this journey in this sermon series on the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in Ephesians um, until mid-March, until we begin to prepare for the Easter season, which is just right around the corner, if you can believe it or not. But we did this series to really look at the third part of this vision statement of hope through relationships. We did this a couple of years ago with the Gospel of Mark where we went through the entire Gospel of Mark and to, to get better understanding and better, better clarity on what it means to be a gospel-centered community or what it means to be centered around Jesus. Then last year we looked at the entire book of Acts to really look at this second part of our vision statement on what it means to be a multicultural community. And we saw that in the book of Acts from the very beginning, this is what the, the, the family of God looks like. People from different backgrounds, different contexts coming together around the worship of Jesus. That is a picture of the kingdom of God. And so this year throughout the spring and the fall We'll be focusing and we're digging deep even on Sundays and Tuesdays and in our own personal Bible study, we're looking at the book of Ephesians and we're seeing really the foundation, the biblical basis for this third part of our vision, which is to be a, a, a church where hope is built through restored relationships with God and with each other. As we've been going through Ephesians, and if you've missed any of the messages, they're all online. But, and you can catch up, but in Ephesians, we've seen that there are two main themes in this book. This is a little book of only six chapters, but it's a little book that really casts big vision and big dreams, God-sized dreams. We see that there are two main points so far that we've been looking at. First, in chapter one, we see that the, the book of Ephesians is telling us that Jesus has restored all of creation to himself and to God that Jesus is the one who will bring salvation and restoration to all of that which is broken. Then secondly, we've been seeing this in chapter 2, that Jesus Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another to become his family. And the family of God is called the church. These are the God-sized dreams that we're reading about in the book of Ephesians. We're reading about hope through relationships, through restored relationships with with God and with each other. This isn't just fancy language that we came up with, but when we talk about hope through relationships, this is an Ephesians issue. This is an issue at the heart of God. This restoration that we see God accomplishing, of restoring something precious that has been broken. It is something that God has done. In in the first chapter of Ephesians, it says that God was at work, Father, Son, Holy Spirit was at work to really accomplish these God-sized dreams. And that these God-sized dreams of restoration can only be received by faith alone and by grace alone just a little bit of a recap. We've talked about faith and grace over the last couple of weeks together. But faith, to put it very simply, faith is just the acceptance of God's reality. Faith is the acceptance that God has done something that has changed everything. God has done something in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then there's this other big word, grace. Grace, some of us know the, the answer to this, or the Sunday school would answer answer to this. But what is grace? Grace is the free gift of God. Yes, absolutely. But we see that Ephesians actually goes even deeper than that. That grace is the free gift of God from our perspective, but grace is also who God chooses to be. Grace is the action of God. It is the work of God. God didn't have to save us, but He chose to save us. He chose to restore us back to Himself and back to each other. The grace of God is who God chooses to be. God sees us and He says, I choose to be your God and I choose to call you my people. No one forced Him to do that. But by His grace, that's who God chooses to be. He elects us, He saves us for the sake of sonship and daughtership. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago through adoption so that our lives are meant to be lived as gratitude, as a thank you to the goodness and the grace of God. Nuestras vidas pueden ser una vida de agradecimiento a la gracia de Dios. So we see in Ephesians This theme of God sized dreams, God sized dreams of restoration, God sized dreams of seeing the miracles of grace, of what grace can do, grace can restore, grace can redeem, grace can renew, grace can create the pathway for miracles, grace, this is who God chooses to be. Because of the grace of God, we see this ongoing pattern. That because of grace, out of brokenness, God is able to make beauty. Out of chaos, God is able to bring order. Out of suffering, God is able to bring peace. God restores something precious that has been broken. And, the, and He makes something new. He makes something even better. That's the miracle of grace. In these first few chapters that we've been looking at in the book of Ephesians, we've really been looking at what we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Los primeros tres capítulos de Efesios nos dice que creemos nosotros como cristianos what we believe as followers of Jesus. And then in the last three chapters of Ephesians, we see an outline of how we are to live as followers of Jesus. So how we are to walk in our journey with Jesus. And we'll be looking at that throughout the fall, these last three chapters of Ephesians, where it talks about how we can live our lives as reflectors of Jesus in everything that we do. So one of the big overarching questions that we find in this little book with a big vision in the book of Ephesians is this question that the Apostle Paul, who wrote this part of the Bible, he's really kind of wanting to make clear the answer to this question. And the question is this, it's a question that maybe many of us can take for granted, but it's an honest question. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? That's one of the big questions that's being responded to in the book of Ephesians. What does it mean to follow Jesus, not just as a nice idea, but to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior and the center of our lives? And here we see that a couple of things become clear in this chapter that we read. First of all, to follow Jesus goes beyond certain assumptions. To follow Jesus is not merely a set of social customs. It tells us here in chapter 2, verse, verse uh, 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So what's that telling us? It's telling us that to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, goes beyond seeing faith as just a spiritual social club. Faith is not just about being with people who already look, think, and act like me. But faith and following Jesus asks us to go beyond that. So faith takes us to go a step beyond just the set of social customs. And also, we see that this faith in Jesus, following God, being a Christian, goes so much more beyond just a list of do's and don'ts. In chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, the Apostle Paul addresses this, and he says that, goes beyond just social customs, goes beyond just a list of do's or don'ts or behavior management. But the Christian faith actually makes this amazing claim that God has come to us in the person of Jesus and how we respond to that fact, to that good news, how we respond to Jesus changes everything. There was early Christians who this passage of the Bible was, was uh, written to. And they use different language to describe this whole process of how we respond to Jesus, how we respond to this new reality in light of God revealing Himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this part of the Bible in his letter, he actually uses the language of learning Christ or abiding in Christ learning Christ in the new life. Jesus invites us into newness of life. Paul in Ephesians is claiming that following Jesus leads to new life, not just to nice life, not just to nice religious customs or nice non-religious customs, but following Jesus is not just about niceness, but about newness. Becoming new, new creations, new people. The purpose of this new life is not just behavior adjustment or behavior management, but it is transformation. In this new life, we learn Christ. We abide in Christ, not by doing more things, not by doing less things, but by being in Christ. We start not by doing, but by being. To follow Jesus is not a question of doing, but a question of being. We need to be in the new life. This new life of being begins with connecting to God. Over the last couple of weeks, we talked about how Jesus is God's direct connection. He made a pathway. He made a way through the cross, through the resurrection. He made a way for us to enter into this closeness, into this intimacy with God. And this intimacy, getting closer to God, is actually going to Require and invite us to put off our old selves and our old ways of thinking and our old ways of being and our old ways of doing and to put on a new life. To put on a new life that invites us to place our eyes on Jesus. To be reflectors of Jesus, not just of those around us, not just of our own instincts, but of Jesus. This new life in Christ is an openness to God restoring and redeeming every single part of our lives, from our insides to our outsides, to our emotions, to our anger, to our instincts. God sees that and says, I want to restore that. That belongs to me. I love the way that a writer by the name of Abraham Kuyper, he's in old, old uh, theologian from probably 100 years ago from Netherlands. And he says this about how, what Jesus wants to do in our lives. He says, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out and claim, Mine! To paraphrase this or to say it in different words... Jesus is Lord and ruler of all. By him and for him, all things were created. That claim of Jesus is for all of our life, including our insides, our outsides, our anger, our emotions, our instincts. God sees that and he claims mine. I'm going to make that new. I'm going to make you new. In this new life, God is going to restore it all and make us new. Now, I get it. Some of us can resist or we want to keep God at a distance and say, you know what, God, I can give you this hour on Sunday or this moment in the morning, but that belongs to me. I'll keep you at arm's length. I get it. Some of us can resist and don't want God to touch on or transform our emotions and our instincts. Things like anger can be a very personal and uncomfortable thing for some of us to, to talk about. In fact, some of you are already looking at me with a bit of an angry face because I'm going to touch on this. But then I remember I'm at Imago Church and some of you always look angry, so we'll continue. <laughs> All joking aside, God wants to restore all of who we are, all of me. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis has a chapter, chapter 10, and it's entitled Nice People or New Men? And in this chapter, Lewis actually touches upon a question. And the question is this, what is God's goal? What is God's goal in restoring people back to Himself? Is God's goal for people to just be nice religious folks? Or is God's goal to create new people reflecting the image of Christ? He wrote in this chapter after listening to a very common complaint against Christians. It's a, it's a common complaint that maybe you've heard before, I've heard it before, I've experienced it before, but this was a complaint he was addressing back in 1939. But maybe it's a complaint that even makes some sense today in 2020. And it's the complaint that goes something like this. If Christianity is so great, then how come so many Christians are not so nice? If Christianity was true then why aren't all Christians nicer than all non-Christians? That's the question that Lewis was responding to here. And yes, of course, the gospel has the power to transform our character from the inside out. So yes, our actions will bear the fruits of the Spirit, which include joy, peace, patience, kindness, along with several more that we find outlined in the New Testament. But here's, here's the bottom line. Jesus is doing a work in each and every one of us. He is doing a work of transformation, and transformation takes time. Transformation takes time and process. The salvation is done. God did the work by His grace through His cross, through the resurrection. The power of the cross and the resurrection has secured that salvation. But then there's the next step, which is transformation. And transformation takes time and process. The end goal in our journey with Jesus is not just niceness. But the end goal is newness. That we would become new, restored, and transformed. The end goal is not just inspiration. And the end goal is not just a bunch of information. But the end goal of following Jesus on this Christian journey is transformation. That He would make us new. He would make us reflectors of his image. That is the end goal. New people being transformed into the image of Christ. La meta de Dios es que seamos transformados a la imagen de Cristo. Now we're mistaken if we think that this journey with Jesus or this faith journey or Christianity is simply about modifying and controlling all kinds of different behaviors. Yes, godly character, godly behavior, that will all be a fruit of being and abiding in Christ. But it goes so much more beyond that. Following Christ is not just about niceness. This is Lewis's argument here. Being a Jesus follower is ultimately about transformation. Transformation into new creatures. Into new people. Restored by the image of God, restored in the image of Christ. And here's the reality. Transformation takes time. Transformation requires process. That's the issue. When it all comes down to it, Lewis continues in this chapter, and he says, when it all comes down to it, It isn't about behavior. It isn't whether or not all Christians are nicer than all non-Christians. But the issue is this. Given whatever personality or temperament a person is born with, whether or not he or she improves and is being transformed in a way that is beginning to taste more like Christ. To taste more like that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, that self-control. Growing more and more into the image of Christ. That is the work that God is up to. Each and every day. Each and every Sunday as we come together. In and through each and every one of us. That is the work that God is up to here at Imago Church transforming and maturing each and every one of us more into the image of Christ. That's our purpose. That's our end goal. That's the big reveal. That's the point. That's why we come together every single Sunday. Jesus invites us to follow him into greater things, to live for something bigger than just just me or mine. But to live for Him, to be new creations that reflect the image of Christ, that's the end goal here. Yet, Jesus invites us to follow Him into greater things, to live for something bigger. But so often we live in a world where people, and I've fallen in this category as well, where we too easily give of ourselves to things that are so much less than what we were created for. It's like that song from early 2000s, right? We were, we were meant for so much more, but we lost ourselves, right? We sometimes give ourselves over to things that really are not what we were created for. We get angry, and at times we give so much life and energy over to things that do not matter, You know to give an example of this i I think of this image i know that now if you just go on any social media or anything there's like thousands maybe millions of viral videos and memes to pick from right but i i you can probably date me in this but i think i was the last group of students that didn't have a cell phone in high school so i did all of kindergarten through high school with no cell phone no none of that I didn't get a cell phone until I was an adult, till I was in, in college. And um, I actually remember also as well when even YouTube came out, when it was just kind of a thing people were just talking about or recommending others to and whatnot. And yeah, now there's millions and millions of viral videos, but I remember one of the earliest viral videos I ever saw reminded me of this, of this point, of how we can give our energy to things that don't matter. I think I was at work with some friends, and yeah, we were at work, and someone shared this viral video with me in an office. But it was this video that was actually entitled Angry Kid, like Angry German Kid and um, one of the, it was one of the first huge viral videos, had millions of hits, and it was a very strange video about how we can give our energy to the wrong thing. It's about this teenage kid, maybe 17 years old or so, that is uh, on his computer, and then he gets frustrated with his slow computer. And then this kid just starts yelling at the computer screen. He's yelling at the screen at the screen at the top of his lungs, and then he begins smashing all of the keys on the keyboard, and then he begins kicking the computer, and he eventually destroys the keyboard, and then he runs out of the room screaming. I don't. You probably never saw the video, I guess, sir. It's a bad description, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I remember when um, when I saw that the first time. I was, I was laughing, I was like, oh my goodness, this is unreal, this is crazy. But then that laughter turned more into a nervous laughter because I thought to myself, I've been there too. <laughs> I've been there in moments with either a long line or slow connection or traffic. And I think I remember a very clear moment once when in my second job, I actually worked at a warehouse for UPS and I was in charge of a conveyor belt. And once there was this huge jam of all these packages and I was that kid, I was screaming at the top of my lungs I was running away. I didn't know what to do, but we've all been there. Sometimes we give our energy to things that really do not matter. We laugh and maybe you're like me and that, can, that laughter can then turn into nervous laughter because maybe for you it's been something else, caught in traffic or just telling someone in your family the same thing over and over and over again. We also have given life and energy over to things that at the end of the day are not what we were created for. In Christ... We can embrace the reality that Jesus invites us into new life. He invites us into new life to free us from petty things. He frees us from petty things and he frees us for newness of life. He frees us for bigger things than just ourselves. He frees us from just niceness. And he frees us for newness. That's the call. That's the invitation. So back to C.S. Lewis's question. So why are Christians not as nice as some non-Christians? Is what he's addressing here in this chapter. Lewis goes on to say, well, that should be obvious. What oftentimes brings people to put their faith in Jesus Christ is the fact that they don't have it all together. It's not what they can do for God, but it's their need. What oftentimes draws us near to God is our need, not our deed. There is no deed that we can give to God that he'll just say, "All right, great, you made it, awesome." No. What draws us near to God is our need, not our deed. Oftentimes, it is that some people are really broken. People like you and me. We admit it. We confess it. Not only that, but we know that there is something wrong. And there is a need for a Savior. It is that need that leads us to turn to Jesus. To turn to a Savior. So quite obviously, Lewis says, when a person who realizes that they are in deep need, their deed cannot cut it. They cannot do life on their own. That need is what often leads to following Jesus. So yes, this is a hospital for sinners. This is the place where people who don't have it all together come before a good and gracious and perfect God, come before someone who is able to make us new. Every single one of us is here because we have need, not because we have all the deeds and have it all together, but because we have need before God. I, as your pastor, I'm simply one person with need pointing to other people, pointing Jesus to other people, pointing out that Jesus is the one where the life is at. Jesus is the one who will fulfill our true need to find identity, to find purpose, to find security in him. That's what gathers us. Need, not deed. Newness, not just niceness. So when a person starts following Jesus, it is our need that leads us to the grace of God. Nuestra necesidad nos lleva a la gracia de Dios. When we follow Jesus, it is our need that leads us to the grace of God. And guess what? God's grace is patient. Patient. God's grace is patient with you. God's grace is patient with me. God's grace is patient with us as a church community. And guess what? Since God is patient, that means that we are called to be patient as well. To be patient with others in their faith journey. To be patient with this church community, which is not made up of perfect people, but broken people coming before a perfect God. To be patient with yourself in your own faith journey. Maybe you've had one of those weeks where you can't believe it, it happened again. That old destructive habit or that old attitude that I've sworn away so many times or that old way of thinking again, it creeps up once again. God's grace says, be patient. God is at work. God is at work in the mess in ways that you may or may not be aware of. And the truth is this. The truth about the end goal being transformation is that God calls us to newness. Not just niceness, but to newness. And newness takes time. Neither you or me, nor he or she, and you know who I'm talking about, they can't change overnight. Neither you or me, nor he or she can change overnight. There will still be many messy things to work through. There will be messy emotions, messy instincts, messy moments to work through, and that is okay. That is part of being a community that is gathered by the grace of God. We go through things together, not just cut and run when it gets hard, but we go through things together. That is part of what it means to be a grace community. Being patient with one another. That's okay. That's a part of the journey. Grace is patient. Transformation in our lives takes time. It's a process. And I know that is so counter to the instant culture of everything, right? Grace takes us on a journey and that journey of transformation is a process. Jesus is at work in the mess. Whatever that is for you today. He's at work. And he's bringing it all together. In a way that is beyond what any of us could think of or imagine. Dios está obrando en nuestras vidas. Y va a traer hasta algo mejor que podemos imaginar He's bringing it all together in a way that goes beyond what we think of or imagine because the one who calls us is faithful. He will take us beyond just religious or non-religious niceness and he will lead us into newness, into newness of life. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you and we give you praise, Lord. Because we are not our own and we know confidently, Lord, that the work that you started in us, you will bring to completion, Lord. Lord, we pray that today we would be guided by your grace. Your grace, Lord, which is patient. Your grace, Lord, which chooses to love. Your grace, Lord, that redeems, restores, and redeems. Your grace that leads us on a pathway, God, to you, to newness of life. And we pray, Lord, that today we would be able to cast before you whatever it is we're carrying here. Whatever old way of thinking old way of being old way of doing and Lord may we be aligned and transformed with the newness of life that you're inviting us to. Señor pedimos que nos que Señor nos hagas a tu imagen Dios Santo nos sometemos a ti esta mañana we surrender and we submit to you Lord God that you would accomplish this end goal that you have for us Lord of going beyond niceness beyond the religious customs or non-religious customs God and take us to newness take us beyond information beyond inspiration and lead us to transformation God And Lord help us to be reflectors of you to each other God help us to remind each other that transformation takes time that grace is patient Lord we love you Lord and we dedicate the rest of this morning to you in the faithful name of Jesus we pray amen